The Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the host's least favorite passing concept is Mills. Adopt, don't shop, people. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. I am so excited and a little bit starstruck to be joined. First time guest. I don't even know how to describe you. Former NFL quarterback, current NFL analyst, founder, host, operator of the QB school on YouTube. Am I missing anything? JT O'Sullivan. That's pretty good. I appreciate it. I don't know about all that, but uh, I'm excited to be here. Talk some ball. Um, for those who don't, aren't consumers of the QB school, I think I first started watching like a couple years ago, maybe. It was around, or maybe even before, it was around the Fields draft. So I guess it's been a few years. Um, but it really is like such a great resource for anyone, not just to learn about quarterbacking, but just to learn about football in general concepts. Um, and I was joking about this on Twitter, but if you watch it enough, as much as I do, you start using some of the phrases. I didn't mean to embarrass you, um, but some of the people oh. were responding with some of your phrases. I think the one that I put on Twitter was... Um, uh, capital A anticipation, and then people were responding with some of them. The one I, I, I okay, I really don't want to embarrass you. The one that I do use a lot though is just like that's a Sunday throw, and then I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> and it's kind of in your voice. All right, now I've definitely embarrassed you. Sorry, I appreciate it. No, I mean, I I usually mo many of those are hijacked, uh, and it is always fun for me to see which ones resonate <laughs> with people because it will take me back to like awkward meeting rooms where someone told me that. Mm. But uh, but no, it's I, I honestly have fun with it. It's just. I try to make it kind of like what I think a NFL quarterback room is like. And it's, you know, there it is part of it is having fun with the language like that. I think yeah. it does kind of uh, breathe some like real life into some of these uh, hot takes. It, well, and that's, I think, a great way to talk about it because it's not hot takes. Actually, my favorite thing about watching it is it's so clearly not driven by agendas or narrative. It's so fair, which is especially useful when it comes to evaluating prospects, right? Because it's that time of the year when it's, Mocks are flying, opinions are flying, rankings are flying, but you're not, that's not your business. Your business is just to watch the games and talk about what happens when you watch the games and you watch a lot of the games. Um, and it's really useful to, again, I swear to God, I'm not, this isn't just gonna be five minutes of me uh, kissing your ass. Um, because for those of us who didn't actually play the position, you know, sometimes we don't know, like, if protection breaks down, is the quarterback's fault? Did the wide receiver mess this up? Or is it a bad offense, which is often the case when you're watching college football? And so I think that's what's really so useful is the context you give when watching these games. Well, I, I appreciate it. It's one of the many reasons why I, I got into it to start. I, I honestly felt like there was like this kind of veil of like the secrets to what's really happening you know in in these NFL rooms and on these in these NFL offenses and I think when you pull it back and just get a somewhat of a underlying understanding of what quote unquote like sound offense looks like you can see it from that lens even if you're not in the room and I think you have to be in the room to know for sure yeah. but you really can kind of say like hey you know across the league, this is not how this stuff is done. Like, you're not going to survive doing this like this very often. And I'm just fortunate enough where I got to live, you know, many years of my dream of playing NFL quarterback and got to bounce around, not necessarily by choice, but got to learn a lot of these different languages and ways to do it. And so kind of provide that context to it is what I enjoy doing. And it feels like it resonates with the people who dig the channel. Awesome. Well, so uh, 
We're going to talk about the quarterbacks today. I've been teasing this for a while because I actually haven't dug into the prospects. NFL free agency has been so crazy. Um, we're doing quarterbacks this week. We're going to do offense, uh, prospects, following week, defense, and then we're going to be at the draft. Um, I figure we should talk about kind of, there's my dog barking in the background, um, top four guys. And then I, I want to allocate a little bit of time to Hendon Hooker, who's kind of rising up boards as we speak. Uh, one of my colleagues had him going five overall to... Seattle, which would probably cause me to do unspeakable things if it happens on television. But um, and then maybe a little mark. bit, uh, <laughs> a little bit of a lightning round with some of the other guys too. Who I know you've also posted some videos about. Um, so order wise, um, I think we're, I, I just kind of want to go in the sort of what was the original consensus order because. Really, right now, it feels like this is wide open. You're hearing about Carolina being linked to as many as three different quarterbacks. I know people who like Stroud more than Young and vice versa. I want to start with Bryce Young because kind of coming into this whole process, he was seen as the guy. I have serious doubts, by the way, that he's going to go number one for football reasons and things we're hearing about from Carolina. But I want to talk to you about him. You've obviously watched a ton of his games. You guys can check them all out. Um, and I guess I just want to start first by asking you, like, what your favorite attribute is of his after watching them all. Oh, man. it's uh, I mean, there are so many that jump off the film. Really, there are. And it feels like he's played so much football because he's kind of been on the national landscape for so long. And I think sometimes with these guys that are like this, you can almost get lulled to sleep by how great they've been for so long and kind of start cherry picking at things that aren't necessarily great that are easy stories. But for me, when I watch Bryce Young, the dude just makes plays. He's like watching a super fluid, in control, great point guard as like a terrible basketball analogy, but it's so smooth and effortless. And that's the part that I'm always jealous of, the guys that make it look effortless, because I know how much effort I put into making it not look near as good as that, and that they can do it so consistently, so smooth, and be able to just kind of like shrug off pressure, go make a play at the end of the Texas game. You know, things aren't as great this past year talent-wise, and he's able to kind of continue to just elevate. He's one of those guys that it looks like they might not huddle, but he's the guy who in the huddle elevates everyone just by his presence. You know you've got a chance. Dude can make plays, has made plays on the national stage for so long that it feels like it's just kind of take it for granted. But I love watching him play. I just think he's so smooth. He elevates in the moment as well as anybody. You know, I think you obviously have to talk about his size at some yeah. point, but I really think the game has become more spready as a terrible kind of way to say it, but it has become more horizontal. So you can get away with a little bit less of the, you know, in the pocket traditional statue type guy. And I think Bryce will be, you know, obviously so much of this goes to where you end up going, but staying healthy, he's going to be fun to watch for a long time. I'm excited to see where the hell he lands. I want to get to the size thing in a second, but I want to stay with what you're talking about, the sort of the, the, his strengths. And there's so many strengths. It is really hard to choose. Um, I think for me, watching him I, I talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago it was really jarring for me to watch. so the way I I don't watch a ton of college football during the NFL season and then I'm just in cram mode as soon as the Super Bowl ends and it's it was really jarring for me to watch Alabama football this year because I had that exact same process with Mac Jones with Tua Tungabella right and it it was such a different environment it's so crazy to see an Alabama offense where dudes aren't just wide open and he's not standing behind a brick wall and I think what jumped out to me the most about Bryce Bryce Young is um when things are so chaotic around him at times 
he looks so unbothered uh, and he makes it look so easy when the pocket gets muddied, even when he's not escaping. Like he, his, the little, his little movements and footwork inside a muddy pocket, the way he resets, it's so deceptively smooth. It just looks effortless. And I have to think that helps mitigate some of the size concerns as well. Yeah, I, I would also add that some of the things that I think of like size concerns, when you are a statue back there and you can't move and you can't see over, you know, a six five guard or six bigger tackle, you know, Bryce is always feels like his movements within the pockets are so smooth and he's got the ability to change direction and reset so quickly combined with the fact that the vision element that we haven't even talked about yet but he's got this uncanny ability to a lot of guys can move get outside the pocket reset and make some you know circus throw for their you know pro day as opposed to guys in the pocket things break down just a quick subtle movement eyes down the field different arm angle flip it and not one off but like once a half you know there it's happening all the time and you, you again I almost kind of fall asleep to it because you'll, I don't want to make a video of like checkdowns, but with him, I felt like I was like, geez, I'm just, every checkdown throw is like a mini miracle where he's flipping his hips, <laughs> flicking it sideways, you know, doing something, running the option 10 yards down the field. Things like that just aren't normal. And so I'm excited to see what it looks like when he is on Sundays. Uh, random question, I guess, about the arm angle aspect of it, because we're going to get to Stroud in a second. I would say that's one of the questions I have about him or one of the mild things I would have is, you know, he doesn't really show that. Whereas a couple of the other guys, especially Bryce, you were just talking about, how important would you say that is in today's game? Because we associate like the the truly, truly amazing Mahomes level quarterbacks. They all seem capable of doing that now. Is that something you think is more important than ever? Or is it just that more guys are doing it? I think it's a, probably a combination of a lot of those different things. I think the game has allowed you to be a little bit freer when it comes to those types of things. So all those RPO kind of get it out throws where it looks like you're turning to, you know, those were once off throws, once a season throws 20 years ago, where now you're repping those, you know, multiple times a series where you're trying to catch it and throw it, grip it and rip it and get the ball out of your hand really quickly. And so they not only is it happen more, but guys grow up doing it. You know, it's all, it's often when you get on the field to practice, sometimes that will be the first drill you do, you know, Hmm. just catch it and go. You're not, you know, I remember transitioning in the league by the end of the time, my time in the league a long time ago, I used to warm up without the laces and it took me a while to be like, oh, I'm just going to catch it and go grip it and rip it. And it takes practice. Well, these kids, these players have grown up in that game, that type of RPO world where it is a little bit different, where he is able to do that a little bit more. But I I also just personally like the aesthetic of it. I think it's pretty awesome when you're able to dip down, get it around somebody. It does kind of come back to just that creativity part of it where it takes it beyond the, you know, I think sometimes I fall into the trap on my channel of being like, this play is written like this, you know, throw slant, straight line like this. Well, in reality, there's guys moving in front of you. There's all these different variables that you've got to create this opportunity to get this big completion down the field. And the guys who do it consistently are the guys that we all love to watch play. I wonder if... Bryce's he he made a comment at the combine where he was like, "Well, I've always been this size." When he was asked about the size, which doesn't really make sense because it would mean he came out of the womb as like a five ten baby. But you know, we understand what he meant. And I do wonder if always being undersized actually led him to place more of an emphasis on the arm angles aspect of it early in his football career. You know, in early in high school or something out of necessity. Because when you watch it and you see him finding his lanes, it, it, it's so obvious he's been doing it forever. Uh, it comes so naturally to him, but it somehow never feels risky. <laughs> um, and, and that's another thing I think, like his decision making really, to me, is quite impressive. Sometimes, 
Like, I, I would say more often when you see him turning it over, it less feels like poor decisions. And sometimes it feels like his arm lets him down, I, which is... JT, I'd actually like to hear your thoughts on this. I think he has a really good arm, a really, you know, it's it's definitely, I think, an NFL caliber arm. Um, but, you know, the deep ball, it's not the strongest arm, certainly not in this class. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything on film that would disagree with how you framed it. It would be, to me, it's always, and this is obviously jaded because of my own experience, but as a guy who definitely threw change-ups, it's one of those things where very rarely are you ripping the ball 50 plus yards down the field as hard as you can. I think people love to see that throw and I'm jealous that I couldn't do it consistently, but oftentimes most of the throws are just natural stroke throws where you're trying to put it where you want to, when you want to, on time consistently. And I think Bryce Young is probably better than anyone else in this draft as far as being able to do that consistently. And I don't think he runs out of club at the 50-yard line. I think, you know, you know, he doesn't necessarily measure up to guys like Richardson or Levis as far as guys who have just massive cannons that intentionally want to show it off. Yeah, but it's as strong as like Joe Burrow's or what, you know, I mean, just... Well, I mean, I think Joe Burrow has a very strong arm. I think it's an underrated arm. I, I think, I also think that these, some of these guys are young and will continue to grow and get stronger and get better developed and get even more mechanically sound, even though they've been probably working with gurus for a long time that makes it better, all of those things. I think that some of these guys who are on the younger side will continue to get stronger and stronger early in their career in the league. Well, speaking of growth, um, the, the there's kind of two concerns. There's, there's the height and then there's the build. The more people seem to be worried about the build because the build is what's unprecedented here. At this point, we have seen a lot of guys his size in the NFL with mixed success. What he came in at like a little over five ten, I think five ten and a half or something like that. Um, he's taller than me, and uh, you know we watch. Yeah, obviously he takes deeper drops, but I, I, I don't know. To me, his height doesn't. There's times. I think like maybe the LSU game comes to mind where you see that interior pressure getting to him and obviously his size plays a factor in that. But I also think he's developed a lot of tools to mitigate it. Um, but the build is, it's its kind of almost hard to talk about JT because it's like, yeah, okay. Like I, if he gets hurt, what are we going to say? Like how much does the build concern you? Does the height concern you at all? I would say the build concerns me more than the height. But again, you know, uh, as uh, the only thing I can really talk about is my own anecdotal experience. I felt like I was getting thrown around and I was, you know, over a lot more than, than Bryce Young. And so I can only imagine what it's going to feel like weight wise to get thrown around and the endurance of what that's going to take to play, you know, against NFL caliber week in and week out. And okay. And the game has changed. You know, you talk about the depths of the drops. I would also add that, you know, Back in my day, as old as that sounds, it was much more, you know, regimented, like must take five step drop, must throw here, or now it's a little bit more, you know, almost like air raidy, where it's like, hey, we need you to be looking over here at this time. We'd love you to be at this correct depth. If you want to pedal, pedal. If you need to buy a little time and bounce back, bounce back, find your lane. There's a lot more kind of freedom in most systems, not every system, but many systems. And I think if you draft Bryce Young, you're going to need that to be able to just allow him to buy his time to be able to do that. The other thing about it is he's kind of like, I think of it as almost like Lamar Jackson, where Lamar Jackson to me is not the biggest guy in the world, but he never gets hit hard. Yeah. Like he's it's, and he's obviously much more of a dynamic runner, 
but he never gets blasted where you see some of these other guys get like, Jesus, like get down, like protect yourself, run out of bounds, learn to slide, all those types of things where Bryce Young is always feels like he's like, you know, he's slipping a jab. And so it's, it feels like he has the chance to be able to survive those types of things, maybe better than some other big guys that can't get out of their own way. So CJ Stroud, I feel like if we were having this conversation literally any year before maybe even like four or five years ago would be the unquestioned number one. And uh, do you agree with that? Let's start there. I mean, I'm not asking you to rank maybe, them. I just mean more like, no, know, maybe I mean, how we talk about quarterbacks. Well, I mean, we can talk about it. I, you, you gave me way too much praise about not rankings. I've got a ranking video coming out soon. <laughs> okay, everybody well, has to make a list. You won't spoil but it here I, then. Just tease well, it. I'll, I'll, I have no problem spoiling it. Especially if you watch my channel, people know I'm a huge fan of Bryce Young. I, I think yeah. the, the CJ Stroud, my own thing, my own issues, and this is what I normally love about what I do, is I only watch the film. Well, random, not randomly, I got invited to the Elite 11 thing last year, and so I saw these guys throw, warm up together, go against each other in a drill. And so as I'm sitting there watching it, I almost had like an NFL drought, the, the movie, the Kevin Costner moment, where I'm like, <laughs> I was Bryce Young, no matter what. And it... And and it's it's not fair to C.J. Stroud because he could have just had a rough day. You know, it's in the middle of summer. Who cares? Nobody. It doesn't matter. It's not real football. But just watching them throw next to each other, I was like, the way that it comes off Bryce Young's hand, really? is, that's what I want. That's that's what I like to see. And so, no knock on C.J. Stroud. He, I mean, the way he played against Georgia, if he would have played against that that way the whole year, it would be hard not mm-hmm. to have him as the consensus number one across every single list. But he didn't, and they don't ask him to do that. And so. You know, I don't think there's anything necessarily to knock on C.J. Stroud other than the fact that he hasn't shown that consistent athletic ability to make those plays that he did make against the best defense in the biggest game, which he obviously can make. But when I looked at him next to each other, I was like, you know, that's how fluid and smooth that is. That's that's my kind of jam at quarterback. How would you feel if you found out no one went to Bryce Young's birthday party? Well, you would have changed your... Oh, that's from the movie, isn't it? Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. <laughs> I think he's got friends. I think he's got friends, though. I don't know uh, for sure. Yeah, that was the when the Russell Wilson story about the birthday party came out. It was the first time I thought about that in a really long time. Actually, all of these guys, like all the, well, there's a little smoke around Levis. I don't know. I want to get into that. But it seems like they're pretty, there's not a lot of personality issues. And, and by the way, I probably forgot my most favorite thing about Bryce Young which is the dude literally balls out in the biggest moments under the most pressure, which is something I feel like we don't talk about enough. And, 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 but so does CJ Stroud, as you just alluded yeah. to. Um, I do want to ask you about that. So you know, this is, comes up every time we talk about Stroud now. is like, okay, well, what we saw him do in the Georgia game, not just in terms of um, using his legs as a runner, but the creativity the way, um, you know, I mean, some of the throws he made, they were, he was asked to throw some really difficult passes in that game as well. All of it. The, the, the constant question now is, okay, well, how much stock do you just put in, in one game like that? And, and, you know, obviously that's up to NFL teams. But my question is, for you more so is, when, if you're like an evaluator and you're looking at him, you're seeing him do that in this game, is there the thought that maybe, you know, this just isn't something he was asked to do at Ohio State. We all remember Justin Fields was not asked to run very much in that offense as well. And now we see he's one of the most electric rushers in the NFL. Um, or do you have like, do you wonder why it's not just about designed runs or scrambles, but this other stuff I alluded to, do you think there's a reason why he didn't show that in his other games? Yeah. I mean, and this is where the stuff like come, I keep 
punching myself in the face here, but why what I do is so incomplete. Like we would talk to the teams. We would talk to the Ohio State coaches and say, hey, are we asking him not to do this? Is this a yeah. part of you know protecting the ball, protecting him, running our system? Those types of things that, that I think they would have better answers to. I can tell you just from watching Ohio State over the course of you know years now operate their offense with a really good quarterback, I don't think they need him to do that. And I think it's in their best interest to protect him not to do that, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't think he's as natural of a scrambler where it's like his, you know, one, two, three, I'm going to take off as opposed to one, two, I can just get through my reads. I trust our guys to be open. I trust our system. I think they do a really good job of creating kind of progressions that work smoothly in the Big Ten and are allow a lot of completions. And so I think he can do it. I don't think he's naturally going to be the guy who, you know, is running back and forth, going the Fran Tarkington type offense when he gets into the league but I think he can and I think that's a good thing to have I mean I would I would hope that he's promoted to do that especially early on in his NFL career because it can feel really fast really quickly and if you have the ability to just say you know middle fingers this I'm going to go get it myself you know I can go get us a first down here on third and short it's a nice attribute to have as opposed to a guy who is a statue back there that doesn't have those movement skills but I don't know if we yeah I mean you would probably have better connections than I would to be able to figure out the off the Ohio State issues with what they ask him to do and not do. Well, it, it there's a lot going. So I made the mistake of watching Ohio the CJ Stroud before Levis. That was the order in which, which was like watching two quarterbacks like in heaven and hell. It, I mean, just it was really like jarring. I talked about Bryce Young, the Alabama. I mean, that's nothing compared to the difference between these two situations. It's actually really hard not to watch C.J. Stroud without being distracted by Marvin Harrison Jr. like constantly. But also, I, w- I would contend that um, Stroud makes his receivers' lives a lot easier. I mean, what, one of my favorite things he, do- he does, you know, that's, I mean, he's, he's kind of sophisticated in a lot of ways, but one thing that really jumps out to me, just the little things he does, throwing against leverage, throwing away from traffic, getting keeping his wide receivers from getting injured, really just subtle um, things that, I don't know, make me feel like he is ready for the next level. I, I agree. I think he's got the probably the best consistent downfield ball placement. And a lot of that, I don't know. I, I A lot of that I feel like is really precision-based based on what they're asking him to do. And he's got the ability to drive the ball across the field. You know, college wider hashes. You see these really impressive pinpoint throws versus leverage versus specific coverages that are just transferable. Like you do that, that's the same throw you do on Sunday. In fact, it's easier because the hash is tighter. So those are the types of things that I think get people really excited about it. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's hard making sense of when you have such an elite guy on the perimeter like Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, being able to say like, hey, sorry. But I mean, this is anybody who plays at Ohio State. Like, sorry, your receivers in the league are not going to be as good as your college receivers. That's hard to make sense of. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, just when you look at the list, it's, pretty unreal um including guys who are in this year's draft obviously was with smith and jigba uh, how did you what did you make of his play under pressure generally well, i mean it's hard to find you know yeah. if you, you you know you got to really manufacture what that looks like for him i i think that i don't necessarily think he's a guy who will panic and bail early potentially like we could have said about guys in other drafts i can't think of anybody at the top of the draft that like that this year but guys in the past that might have the tendency to bail and try for the circus play. You know, I don't think that's C.J. Stroud. I think he's definitely a technician from within the pocket. 
it's just about it's not and it's also not the fact that they never asked him to run either you know i think that there are some examples of him running the ball i can think of the northwestern, northwestern game yeah but like he's not a natural runner like he's not looking to necessarily kind of take it to the house like some of these other guys like when you allude to Justin Fields not being a great not being a great runner when he was in college there were many examples on film of him accelerating past everyone on the field even if he didn't have the ball in his hands there was acceleration that popped off the film where CJ Stroud's not that guy it doesn't mean that he's not a good enough athlete to run the ball and go get a first down but he's not going to come into the league and light the world on fire running the ball either so it's just about for me, it's it's again, it's kind of that same thing where you talk about it's not his fault that he's playing with really good players that block well for him, and he's in a conference that isn't as good as the SEC. Well, you know, I'm 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 not mad at him for having good pass protection and delivering the ball where he's supposed to when he's supposed to. But nobody wants a muddy pocket. Nobody wants people at their feet. Nobody wants to move off your landmark consistently. And so I think he can do all those things. You know, we'll see if he can do it consistently. One thing that would be nice for him if he is taken first overall, there's a lot of um, smoke around that now, is landing in Carolina. They actually have a pretty good offensive line now. So, um, you know, he, he, he I feel like he's a quarterback. It's funny because I think we think of Bryce Young and his size and needing protection, but Stroud strikes me as the one where you'd really like to see him in an, uh, playing behind a good offensive line early in his career. And if that happens, he would certainly have the opportunity to do so. Though Houston's not that bad either, I'll say. They've made some points. Well, I mean, yeah, I would make the argument that every quarterback, right. <laughs> you know, especially young quarterback, wants to be around a great offensive line and needs great pass protection. And it's really kind of uh, unrealistic to think that any quarterback that at least that I've ever been around or heard about could come into an NFL organization and run the pass protection, run the line of scrimmage, and do all those types of things that the, that you need in the pass pro. It is nice, however, to see CJ and Bryce actually do that on tape actually setting the protections you know as far as college quarterbacks go they do seem at least uh to be uh fairly advanced in that respect um actually can i ask you a question this was a big um debate when the year after that the Bengals drafted joe burrow when they spent that six pick on jamar chase instead of uh panay Sewell, both of whom have become excellent nfl players obviously um do you feel like for a young quarterback and I realize it's players matter everything context matters protection matters more or getting them like an all-world number one would be more useful I mean I I think getting the that all-world hall of fame wide receiver absolutely is is going to make life easier for the quarterback I think that the offensive line to a certain extent can also be mitigated by scheme meaning getting the ball out quickly uh different ways to throw the ball you know behind the line of scrimmage there's just different ways to manipulate it with different personnels whatever not to say that you want a bunch of you know undrafted rookies in front of you but if I, I I only played with a handful of guys that I would classify as like true world ones and a guy like Calvin Johnson jumps to mind. I was with Calvin his rookie year. It's like playing with an alien. And so I would love to play with an alien all the time. That That's great. Yeah. They're, all the situations are not terrible at the top of the draft. So it's, it's, it's this is not David Carr. He, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you say so, if you could say be worse. so, we'll it see. Could be worse. I mean, at least in terms of protection. Um, when I look at some of the teams, uh, I guess the Raiders and the Colts is kind of iffy. But um, but you mentioned the Northwestern game. I posted that was one of the earlier CJ games that I watched when I went through his season. And there's one of the I posted one of the clips of him taking off. It was a scramble, it wasn't a desire. And, and what I loved about it is how juiced he looked after 
and and <laughs> he explodes he he accelerates it it was it's actually pretty impressive but afterwards he's, he's like oh you can tell he's like really feeling it and i watched and i was like that's a guy who wants to run more like you know when you can just tell i mean he's you know the body language the, i was like oh, okay like there, he, I, I get a feeling he's got this in him and then of course georgia happened which we certainly saw um okay Anthony Richardson is the quarterback I want to talk to you about the most, um, not just because he's polarizing divisive, but because I am not a mechanics person. I cannot <laughs> evaluate. Uh, I'm not uh, certainly not a um, advanced evaluator of quarterback mechanics, but even I, when I'm watching Anthony Richardson, am constantly like, what the hell is going on with his two halves of his body? And I love watching him because it's really fun because the highs are electric and we can get into all of that. But I want to start with the mechanics because it is truly confusing sometimes what is going on. I'm hoping you can explain to me what is what the problems are and most importantly jt explain to me if they can be fixed well i'll go in reverse reverse order i certainly think they can be improved upon uh i actually think that he uh his stroke like his upper body mechanics his actual release which i think is kind of the more natural part is pretty good i don't think it's consistent but i think it's it, i think it looks like a natural smooth stroke as opposed to someone who's a little bit like tighter wound, like a guy like uh, Levis type thing, yeah. if that makes sense. But the lower half uh, for Anthony Richardson just looks like it's a little recessy for me. You know, he doesn't, it, and it, that's that's no necessarily knock on him. It's, you can, I, at least I can tell, I can tell prospects, even young quarterbacks, high school quarterbacks, college quarterbacks that have worked with quarterback coaches for many years, there's a polish to their footwork. There's a tempo, a rhythm, a base that's so consistent. You can tell they've invested significant, probably resources, wealth into learning to play like that because it's not natural. Anthony Richardson's lower half looks like he's never been coached to consistently play with a base that you're asked to play with in the league. And so it's just sporadic. It's all over the place. You'll see one time he'll be in perfect rhythm and ripping out to the wide side of the field. And the next time he'll throw a ball that's not in the screen. And you'll be like, you know, I, I can't make sense of that, but I can make sense of I really like his stroke. I think it's clean. I think it needs to be more consistent as far as where he wants to be able to put the ball when he wants to put it, the ball there. But he's got all the tools and then some. And the part that I think makes me most excited about Anthony Richardson, besides just the freak athlete, the measurables, all that stuff, is he does have like a, a, a natural pocket awareness. Like yeah. there are clips where he's just like, bouncing and it's different than Bryce Young. Bryce Young I think of as more like fluid smooth where Anthony Richardson looks like like a glitch. Like it's bah, 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 you know everything is like da, 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 and it's and he throws and he rips a shot and you're like, "Yo, what the hell just happened? Like did, did my frame rate jack up or something? Like what? Yeah. No, that's just how he plays." And so those are special things. And so I I think all of those things can be improved upon. I think nowadays more so than ever, the quarterback's mechanics can get worked on in the offseason. You know, there's essentially swing coaches, gurus out there that, that polish those guys up pretty quickly. And I would imagine that Anthony Richardson probably has already started doing the work on that. Um, the elusiveness inside the pocket is my favorite part of his game, even more so than the gigantic arm. And obviously he's like the best athlete to ever play the position, which we can actually say, cause it's been quantified. Um, but no, it's when you watch him and like you said, you're confused because it's almost like watching like Frogger in traffic or something. And then you flip to the end zone view and you're like, Holy 
what? Like the Tennessee game, there's like three or four plays like this where they just don't make sense from the the all twenty two. It is it's remarkable. It's also, I think, really um maybe the the thing that makes me most hopeful for him, because a lot of times with with quarterbacks you know the the athletes you know who we we like because of their like high ceilings um they take a lot of sacks guys who hold anthony bridges holds on to the football a long time the longest of any of these quarterbacks um some of that's by design but he doesn't get sacked it's remarkable no I was, yeah, it's like, he's the biggest dude out there yeah no, his I mean, he, pressure to sack luck. rate is incredibly low it's way like i think like levis is like double it for example uh we'll get to him and, and why but I think that's so encouraging when you think about, okay, when he goes to the NFL and he learns all the things you're talking about, it's going to take time. But the fact that he's not going to, you know, create a ton of negative plays in the process to me is incredibly encouraging. Yeah. I mean, I would say that he is really hard to bring down. You know, I I think of guys like Josh Allen, like uh, Big Ben for a long time that just looked different on the field. Like even if you get home, you still have to get him to the ground. And, you know, yeah, he is that dude when it comes to that. The the part that is frustrating watching the film, and I'm no, you know, uh, gator guru by any means, but that offense is oh, tough to watch. There is and it's <laughs> tough to watch because, yeah, the, it's just, so it's it looks disjointed. It looks, I know they have a new staff. I know that uh, that staff, that head coach has, has got kind of a great uh, reputation around college football for being a really smart guy, but... What they were doing offensively made me uncomfortable. So I can only imagine what it would feel like to play quarterback in that and making sense of what that looks like is is not easy to do. Uh, You alluded to something when you were talking about the mechanics, which is something that you talk a lot in your breakdowns of Richardson and something that has struck me a lot as well watching him, which is sometimes it looks fine. I don't know. Like, like I know I was kind of joking earlier. Like sometimes, I don't know, one foot's over here and one foot's over here. But then sometimes, and often when he's playing out of structure, it seems like it looks fine. Um, do you think that perhaps like it's just that he's not overthinking or maybe something mentally kicks in because it the the inter like the inconsistency aspect of it is what makes it so confusing? Yeah, I mean uh, the answer is I don't know. The 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 way that I would make sense of it is I think when you're out of structure or outside the pocket, it's a more natural you default to natural. Where when you're in the pocket, for a lot of guys who haven't played or been asked to play quarterback from within the pocket, it's more structured, like must get this drop, be at this depth at this time, looking here, lined up here. And some guys just aren't as comfortable with that because they haven't been asked to do it. And when you've probably been the best athlete on every field you've ever stepped on in your entire life, you maybe have never been asked to play quarterback that way. And so I think those are learned things. Now, some guys learn it faster than others, but the fact that he can make all those throws and really has shown on his film that he makes every throw and some to think that he's not going to be able to figure out the kind of timing element of it, the the more rigid element of it, I think is, is, is probably not a smart way to look at it. Yeah. It's just, it's so funny watching a guy like throw like the most beautiful deep balls and then like dirt a screen, like a play later. And it's, it's, it's such a ride. Um, well, yeah. I, I feel for his coaches. Uh, you know, that, well, it's half half of that. Would he would be a really tough guy? He would th- those outputs would, in my opinion, would be tough to deal with as a coach. But I'm also frustrated at the Florida staff for not putting him in better positions to thrive. And I always default to Justin Herbert back in the day, and I made many misses with what I do. But 
what <laughs> the kind the kind insane. of output that he's able to do and I, and I don't feel that bad about it I mean the Chargers missed on him for the first couple of weeks when he wasn't playing so it's you don't know until you know but the skill set that he, they have to not have them take advantage of that and and I get it it's a first year coach whatever whatever not the perimeter but like my god that that sort of skill set to be able to flourish kind of how i think of you know watching the bears this past year where they just all of a sudden went like you know what this guy's really good let's let him run more you know it's those types of things where it's really not that hard y'all we can pretend that this is really hard but sometimes just get the best player the ball in space consistently and good things happen the herbert thing which i also was dead wrong about has made me permanently scarred and scared of quarterbacks offenses where I'm like oh maybe it's just the offense maybe really and I'm just not seeing it because that was I, I did not see it with him um same yeah same it's not even offenses it's I get frustrated at the coaching where it's like how are what are we how are we not adaptive enough to to mix what we do to take advantage of such a unique unicorn it's one thing to be like okay we've got a quarterback who can throw this year let's throw it more it's another to say like we've got this freak yeah. Freak of freaks. Why can't we, you know, why is Florida not winning more games? I get it that they struggle on defense. They struggle all sorts of different places. But, like, you know, how how are we not winning a little bit more consistently and putting this guy in a position to be so successful? He's going to be taken potentially in the top three, and we can't win games? Like, I just, it's it's mind-blowing to me. I, it doesn't make sense. Last question about Richardson um, kind of flows from that. So, you know, he's he's likely to sit his first year in the NFL, though. They always say that, <laughs> you know, week week eight or week nine rolls around. Um, offensively, what do you think would be best for him early in his career? Something that comes up a lot, I think, is what Shane Steichen did with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. Is that the kind of offense you would see Richardson flourish in? I mean, I think he could flourish in anything. You know, I, I really do. I mean, I, I think it would be a quicker transition if you allow him to use that more spread run quarterback game to help maybe alleviate some of the learning curve of playing in the pocket on third down and standing in there. But, but I mean, eventually every quarterback has to do that. And so, you know, I think building the scaffolding around the system to take advantage of the skill set is a must. You know, I, I think that there are lots of instances where you can see the NFL starting to get smarter when it comes to this. You know, for forever it was, oh, you got to be a, you know, you got to learn to play quarterback in the league. Well, now some of these teams are like, you know, these guys are these guys are pretty much the best athlete on the field. Like, we better learn how to get them in position to be successful quicker, or we're not going to have a damn job. And so. Those things, I think it's in the best interest of every... And I think every system, for the most part, in the league is adaptive enough to do it. Some of these old-school dinosaurs might not want to do it as quickly as maybe they need to. But, I, you know, I think Anthony Richardson, in any system, whether you want it to be like West Coast, you know, boot-naked, keeper-type stuff, or spready-type stuff, it, it doesn't really matter. He's, he's going to be successful if he's given a chance to flourish and not kind of be thrown out there to the wolves. All right, that's great. Let's take a break, come back, and uh, hit the other guys. Caesars Sportsbook. It's not just an app. It's a whole empire. Iconic casinos, hotels, world-class restaurants. It's all yours with Caesars Rewards. Because every bet you place, win or lose, earns rewards credits, which you can redeem for hotel stays at over 50 destinations, meals, tickets, merch, bonuses, and more. Get started today. Create an account with promo code OmahaFull. 
21 or older, 19 or older in Ontario, must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states are prohibited. No one to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Or in Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. As you guys know, NFL teams can make mistakes when it comes to spending money. For example, cover years, Broncos fans. Russell Wilson has a $53 million cap hit this year. <laughs> but uh, unlike the uh, Walton family, I'm guessing people listening to this podcast don't have millions to spend. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. Get at me. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and they decided to do something better. They found their own way to make a beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. They have customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as $2, which is half of what you pay for big brands. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best does not mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash M-I-N-A. That's harrys.com slash Mina for a $3 trial set. And we're back. Will Levis. He... Is become the most polarizing prospect. I don't know why I said that about Richardson. Because Richardson is the most, like, I don't know, exciting prospect. Maybe I whatever. But Levis has become the guy where his draft stock seems to be. If if anyone's falling, I guess it's him based on what I read, what I hear. Um, people are worried that he's too jacked. Didn't know that was the thing. Did you know that? Did you see that? No, but no. he's pretty big. <laughs> I guess he he posted a photo of himself like shirtless. I guess or not just shirtless in his underwear, and uh, then it kicked off some anonymous. Is he too jacked? Always anonymous. Uh, I mean, <laughs> well, nice, I, I definitely nice wouldn't to want have. to be on the record saying that. <laughs> is he too buff? Um, he is big. He is a big guy. Um, okay, let's just get into it. Uh, Actually, I, I feel like a good place to start with Levis is, is not too dissimilar from what we were just talking about with Richardson, which is context. Um, this is, I, I alluded to this earlier when I was talking about going and watching Ohio State to watching Kentucky. Yuck. That's tough. <laughs> is my, um, protection. Actually, I want to start there. One of my favorite things about watching your videos, I talk about this, is, um, 
and you in the videos talk about you're not always sure with protection whose fault it is. That's something I when I, when I, when I first started watching you talk about Levis, I was like, okay. I would like to know how much of these sacks are on Will Levis versus his very leaky offensive line. So let's start there. I mean, just in terms of the sacks and the protection, what was your biggest takeaway watching him this year? Well, I mean, biggest takeaway for me watching 2022 Will Levis tape is he just looks hurt the whole year. He looks hurt. Yes. And so the first part of me wants to default to say, that dude is tough. Like, I, I mean, you can say what you want about a lot of different things about how he plays, but I love availability. I just do. I think it really matters. And so the fact that he's rolling out there with not just like a hurty ankle, but he's got a bunch of injuries. And I should probably state that I'm friends with the guy who was the coordinator there this past year. He was one of my college coaches. And so not that we've talked specifically about the pass pro, but but I, I can respect the scheme and what they're trying to ask him to do. And when he's out there on, you know, basically barely being able to play for the vast majority for a lot of the season, I think it was going to impact your performance. I think the thing that is was most troubling for me was just the jump in turning the ball over and how they turn the ball over. You know, nowadays, you know, it's not uncommon to have single digit turnovers. Well, now, you know, you all of a sudden you have a bump in some of those things and you go and uncover why are we turning the ball over and it looks like it's the quarterback's fault. You know, it's not just, hey, we're getting hit, we're getting sacked. Yeah, that matters. And Kentucky's always going to be in a bit of a tough spot in that conference. But I was just, I I didn't love to see that regression in his game. But I don't know how you turn on the film and don't think that that guy is very, very tough and, and dealt with a lot of stuff that you shouldn't deal with consistently playing quarterback. The toughness goes beyond playing through injury. He plays like he will hang in there <laughs> and he will take some hits. And uh, in a way that reminds me a little bit of Ryan Tannehill. I was talking to a friend about this mm-hmm. today. Um, just that like he will wait until that last second to get that shot playoff. Um, sometimes to his detriment, it was, what, one thing I find kind of interesting, he, you know, he's got this, he has this really like ultra quick release. It's almost like boing kind of, but then sometimes, but, but then he's just holds onto the football too long sometimes. But again, some of that I felt like was because of the offense. I don't know what his trust level was with his wide receivers this year versus the prior year. Um, and I found it kind of hard to separate the two. Although I do have a like pretty serious questions about the speed of his processing. Yeah, I mean, I think all those things are fair. Uh, I think that the other thing that I would add on the toughness part of it is some parts of it to me code to decision-making and not necessarily the traditional decision-making where, hey, we're going to throw this into a contested window. This is bad decision. More just like, hey, we're running. We're in the middle of the field and I'm going to try to truck this random DB. Well, no, bro. Like, let's not do that. Like, let's not do that. Like, let's just get down. And so those types of decisions to me are, are more troubling than necessarily being the gunslinger and trying to fit it into a tight window when, you know, we're down two scores and got a score. I, I just, that part of it I thought was, was gave me just my ears perked up a little bit. And I was like, ah, I don't love to see that in my quarterback consistently. And it shows up consistently. Now, sometimes you're going to have to do that, especially in like the tight red area. He's going to be asked to run the ball. He is because he's a good runner. But just the decision-making with your body, being able to put yourself in a good situation for your team over the course of 20-plus games in the league is is a big factor. You know, I, I just – I think that there are a lot of things to like about Will Levis. My thing – my kind of journey with Will Levis was I think the first game I watched, I was just like, yo, this is not going to work in any time. Like, it's not going to work. Year? Yeah, it's not going to work any time in the league. 
And then going back and really pulling it apart, kind of watching it with a little bit more detail, I was like, there are a lot of throws here that I like. I think he's you alluded to there were some talent deficiencies every time they went on the field, which I think is tough to be a successful quarterback when you're not the most talented team on the field almost every single game. I think there were certainly some pass pro issues. But he was also in a quote-unquote like pro-ish offense. And so there are a lot of transferable things that you can project like, oh, that movement off that naked or keeper, that is what it looks like, y'all. That's what it is. And that he, he can do that. He can certainly play in the league. And so those things make you feel better about it. But but the overall game, I just think it's so hard to make sense of because I don't I don't have the capacity to throw out a whole year. Like I can't say I never saw any of the six games yeah. that I watched this past year. It's like, hey, something happened. We regressed. Yes, I know you were hurty, but you're gonna get hurt in the league. You're everyone's nicked up in the league. You can't let it have that kind of impact to your performance um yeah there are certain games where it has he has that i guess until this year daniel jones quality where you you see you see the sack fumble <laughs> before it happens i think like the end of um Ole Miss yeah. is when he does it like two times in a row and you're just watching it you're like oh no and um it's it's tough, uh, but it is in in contrast to 2021, um, which uh, that that year his offensive coordinator. You, you talked about the NFL aspects of it was um, Liam Cohen, who then went to the Rams. It's like the Rams offense, you know, when you watch it, and it's very easy to imagine him when you watch that the 2021 games in the NFL more so. In fact, I would argue than like some of these other top quarterbacks because. We know that these are the things he would be probably likely asked to do early in his career. And, uh, you know, and the 2021 games, you know, he, he, I, you know, did it to, I thought pr he was pretty efficient. Um, you saw like a lot of the good qualities on display. I, I, I will say I kept, I think I watched like four of the 2021 games and I, I guess I, I, I almost wanted to be like, like with the other three guys, there's just these moments, so many moments where you're kind of dazzled, big plays creating a little bit less of that with Levis for me. Um, I thought there was like a nice, I mean, you can disagree. I don't know. I, I guess there, I thought there was like pretty solid consistency and I really like his, his arm strength is obviously there are moments where that really jumps out. But um, I found even looking at the 2021 tape, a pretty significant gap between him and certainly Stroud and Young. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to think that there weren't, I can't think of the splash kind of almost like Heisman moment type things where you're like, oh, that resonates. That's just craziness. Well, I, I think that there are a lot of instances where he looked like a pro quarterback. You know, I, I can remember what, I don't even remember yeah. what game it was. I think it was this past year. He put on like a third down clinic. Maybe it was Mississippi State. I mean, it was like, it was ridiculous. And I was just like, I'm like, this looks yeah. like the league. Like it just making smart yeah. third down decisions. We're getting close fourth downs. We're elevating the offense. We're executing at a high level. It doesn't look like he's healthy. It looks like he's like hobbling. And so like I thought I was like, you if you only watch that film, you fall in love with this guy. And so it's just about being able to balance what that looks like. You know, I definitely don't think he's got the consistent playmaker splash ability that those other three guys have shown that they do at the college level. But it doesn't mean that he won't be able to on Sundays. It just means that he hasn't up until this point for whatever reason. I don't. I I always hate putting like artificial caps on people's capacity. But like, I, I think that there's a lot to like. And I I personally went through the journey of being like, oh no 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 no. Oh yeah, this is not bad. Like I see I see what people like about it. And but at the same time, like making sense of the 2022 film is hard to do. Um, 
I'm not asking you for a comp, but did were there qualities that reminded you of any guys in the NFL when you watched them? I guess that is a comp. I, I mean, I'm not great at the comp <laughs> game. Sorry. I, I, I honestly, the thing that jumped off the film for me, it, it was really just the toughness element of it. And I, yeah. I mean, I think of most people that play in the league as pretty tough, even if they don't necessarily show it all the time. But when you get that opportunity to do that with your teammates and they know that you're playing hurt and they, you're out there elevating your team with, you know, not your 100% capacity, I think that stuff really resonates. And I think it really resonates with everyone, but specifically with your with players, your teammates, coaches, people who see it in your eyes that you are hurting, you're in the huddle, and you're not coming out. It doesn't matter what happens, especially for a guy who probably doesn't necessarily need to be out there. He's going to have a future in the game. I, I think that really you know, resonates with guys. And you see that across the league all the time, people playing hurt. It's not anything new, but I just, it jumped off the film. Like very, you know, all these guys are really good players, but few things jump off the film like Will Levis's toughness did for me. Yeah. Oh, another thing I should add to our ad is um, he's athletic, right? Like, you know, it's kind of like Stroud where, you know, he's not going to be one of the top dual threat guys in the league, but he certainly has functional dual threat ability, I think. Um, I guess it would probably, I mean, he's he's a different size from Stroud, but I would say, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up with similar rushing production numbers, um, which, you know, none of these guys are statues, which is, I mean, that's, that's the, today's NFL. Yeah, that's, you you just, it's really hard to draft a statue. Well, they, they just don't exist anymore coming up. You know, if you're, if you're not that athlete, you're probably not going to be playing quarterback anymore as you, as you come through the pipeline to get this opportunity. And so you really do see it. I can think, I mean, I, the guys in this league, even like the top 10 ish guys, there aren't a whole lot of guys that I wouldn't classify as pretty good athletes. They might not be, you know, the same quality athlete when they step on the NFL field, but they were college athletic quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. That was, the, I remember when I was watching Joe Burrow in college, I was thinking the whole time, I can't wait for people to pretend like he's not athletic when he comes into the league because he so clearly has had the, a level of mobility that is just different from the past. And obviously most people don't think of him as, you know, one of the top movers in the league, but that's, that's, you gotta be there at least. Um, let me ask you this about Levis. What, what's part of his game mentally that you'd like to see improve or, or let me phrase that. If you were an NFL team talking to him, what would you ask him about that side of his game? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> we're getting in deep waters with me projecting into someone's mental capacity. Uh, I, I probably would have a film, a cut up of the turnovers and say, let's walk me through what you're thinking. Walk me through what they're asking you to do. Because some of them felt like he decided to play hero ball when he didn't have to. Yeah. And so that ability can really get you hurt. Oh, it obviously got him hurt at Kentucky, but it can really get you killed and, and people fired in the league. And so it's one of those things where you, you just want to understand how he's coming at the position, how he's coming at his decision-making, because it's one thing to get on the board and be able to talk through, hey, you know, we're going to make, this is the read, one, two, three, great. Well, now it's muddy. Now what do we do? Now what are you really thinking? Why did this happen? And 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 I... You know, it's those conversations are never fun, but those are all. I mean, I'm sure many of those guys go through that in the interview process where they want to put you on tilt to make you kind of feel like what it really feels like when stuff doesn't go your way. If the quarterback says, well, he didn't really flatten his route or whatever, I mean, 
does that ever like i guess it's just telling the truth right like you it wouldn't be perceived as well, scapegoating i think many of those guys are coached to do really well in those interviews i, w- I would imagine yeah. that when you're coached to do it and i have friends that do this coaching they 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 acknowledge their own deficiencies first but then realize that it's part of a system you know where i could right. certainly have held on to the ball and my <laughs> you know left guard needs to block the defensive end you know those types of things that 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 just kind of matter on a play so you can you can have the capacity to be self-aware but also objective enough to know that we're part of a team sport that these dudes need to execute at a high level too do you like his throwing motion uh like when you watch it i, I don't i mean it doesn't make me you know want to throw up in my mouth <laughs> i like i just it's it's not as it's smooth a- and fluid as i think most of those Boing. yeah most of those guys are at that level uh again it's coming with a huge grain of salt coming from a guy who wasn't smooth and fluid and so i can say that type of stuff when it comes to the the motion of it it just looks like a guy who's jacked like he's you know he i've you know i, I think really well, i mean I, I i played i followed a guy who played in the league for a long for a little bit he was my uh his dad was my high school coach Gio Carmazzi was drafted by the 49ers and he was played ahead of me in high school and he was a jacked dude and he was just, everything was tight. Everything felt like, like he was going to squeeze the life out of that ball. And there's a little bit of that for me with Will Levis where it feels like, you know, just smooth it out and, and feel a little bit more relaxed. And I, I personally think that that helps you with your ball control and your accuracy as well to just kind of relax your elbows and feel like you're a little bit more fluid in your motion. But you know, Maybe maybe he's never been asked to do it. Maybe it's not comfortable doing it. Now I have to show you this. I, okay, now I really do have to ask: Is Will Levis too jacked? <laughs> Showing I mean, him a photo I, of <laughs> these are po- photos that Will Levis himself posted on Instagram. I mean, I would ask him questions about why he's posting those photos. Would be more concerning than <laughs> if he's too jacked for me. I don't care if someone is. Ri- I, I, well, I never thought, but d- until you talked about how it might be affecting his throwing motion, I well, I didn't I mean, know I, that. I mean, it makes sense. I, I just think of stiffer <laughs> quarterbacks with their motion like that as guys potentially that are in my past have been that big and jacked, but I don't, you know, it's a, it's just one of those things for me. I, I think that it does impact your consistency that then the more to the, the truth of it for me is I want to be able to put the ball where I want to put the ball when I want to put it there. And so yeah. if you're rigid, it makes it feel like you're you're creating unnecessary uh, issues between getting making that happen, and so I just want a smooth, fluid, consistent stroke. And you know, for yeah. whatever reason, when I watch Will Levis, that isn't what jumps off the film. Yeah, sometimes you're like, ooh, like fastball. <laughs> Take a little sauce off that one. Well, and the um, the other thing about yeah. that is, and again, this is my own anecdotal experience, is guys who throw crazy fastballs or have the capacity to throw crazy fastballs sometimes struggle with with all the throws, meaning that mm. touch isn't their natural default, as opposed to a guy who has all the clubs, who can drive the ball, who can show some touch, who can throw a screen, who can get it around someone with an arm angle. If you've been able to kind of sit back there in the pocket, see someone come open and then throw it your whole life. That's great. That's really nice. It's hard to do that in the league. You know, I think of guys like there aren't a lot of John Elways who can stand back there and just rip the ball whenever they want to rip it. A lot of guys have to play with anticipation. And that's why I love seeing anticipation pop on film because I think it's a transferable skill that that shows up on Sundays consistently. Yeah. And Bryce Young certainly has that. Um, 
but not not as jacked. <laughs> so maybe that's the formula. Um, okay, Hendon Hooker, forty five year old Hendon Hooker, coming off the ACL. He's actually twenty five, which is one exactly one year younger than Lamar Jackson. That's shocking. That's pretty wild. <laughs> that jumped out to me. Yeah, after I watched him. Um, that is a big deal, by the way, guys. Like it is the thing we have to acknowledge. It matters. It matters to teams when they think about um, upside and trajectories. Um, and I, I, I guess actually it does raise a question I have for you, which is, um, you know, when, when we think about age, do you think there's more of just a concern? Like for, setting aside, like you know, oh, he's going to peak in three years, and that means we didn't get this whole. Do you think it it makes it, it might make you worried? Oh, this is this guy's a finished product if he's that much older. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think of it. You, people can kind. Of, I've I've recently seen. I don't know. I felt like my Twitter feed was better filtered for myself, but I saw hot takes talking about this age thing and how it's not a big deal. Like it's fine. He's you know twenty five year old beating the shit out of nineteen year olds. You know, and then <laughs> thinking that he's going to continue to get better when in reality he's not going to continue to get better at the same rate that someone who's twenty one. I just that makes me feel like you didn't live in your twenties if you don't realize you're you know the state of improvement yeah. across everything, all aspects of life. And I don't think it necessarily makes him undraftable. I just think you have to be more realistic in what that kind of floor ceiling looks like. It's a tighter space than necessarily a younger guy who potentially has a higher ceiling with more kind of age in that developmental window. And that that's it. Yeah. You just acknowledge it for what it is. And if you're comfortable with that, fine. I think that there's a lot to like about Hendon Hooker. You know, I, I think it you, the age thing plays a small part in it, but he's not the only guy, you know, who's in his, you know, pushing his close to 30 in this draft that, you know, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where <laughs> close to 30. it is what it is. I, I just, I don't, it, to me. Yeah, it, Levis is 24. You see, I wasn't even so. talking about him, but yeah, he's, <laughs> I was thinking someone else in the draft, but, but yeah, there are some not young guys. Stetson Bennett is 35 at least. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Richardson, I didn't even know, has played like two games. No, he's played 13 games, started 13 games, which from an NFL perspective is a huge plus. Cause it's like, all oh, right, like this guy can be so much better than what we've seen because he's played so little football. Well, I mean, the thing that I push back to that is the same thing that people kind of are on the opposite end of the spectrum on Trey Lance on now. You haven't played all this yeah. football. Well, he still hasn't played all this football. You know, he's a couple yeah. years older. Uh, th there's a sweet spot in there. I personally prefer a quarterback coming out of the draft that's played a lot of football. I just think it makes life easier in the transition. It probably doesn't mm -hmm. make your ceiling easier. It just makes the transition easier. And so, you know, half, more than half of this is just a crapshoot luck. But if I had to take a look on a younger guy or an older guy, obviously I want the younger guy. I mean, I, I don't feel like that's like a hot take to say that the age isn't a factor. I I grew up playing in the age when Chris Winkie won the Heisman. I swear he was close to 30, you know, and I played with him in the league. And, you know, it's it's fine. You It's just a shorter window for yeah. your professional career. All of these things are, there's balance. You know, younger is great, but you want, experience is also enticing because it just means you've seen more i mean we talked about cj stroud his georgia game bryce young diced up georgia when he was 12 so you know it, well, i mean um what a number is really you know uh but no i mean you can't you talked at the beginning with young doesn't it feel like we've just seen bryce young be awesome freaking forever right because he's played so much football at such a high level and yeah, I, I think that there is an element of that. I also think that there's some recency bias for a lot of the people in the league because people think of Brock Purdy and thinking, oh, he played so much in the in college football. Now he's 
came in and played great. You know, I, I think that there are comps like that with as far as the playing ability that that when you can cherry pick those types of things damn near every year. It's one of the reasons that I really like DTR, which we might or might not talk about at some point. He's played a lot of football. He's played a lot of good college yeah. football. And so those types of things enter into the equation. But I think when you look at the the quote unquote prospect and we're projecting what it's going to look like on Sunday for Hendon Hooker specifically, there is a lot to like. I love how he plays the game, the rhythm, the base. He's an example of a guy for me who is polished. I don't know who he works with, but I'm assuming he works with some quarterback guru that is all about rhythm, timing, base, because he's always lined up where he's supposed to be. And then you have that craziness of that offense, which is fun to watch. But it doesn't project to Sundays. It just doesn't. Like I, I don't, You can make every excuse you want about the deep choice world and the art browse, spread them out, and I think it's cool. And I would use parts of it if I coached. But it's not what Sunday looks like. And you're not going to be able to hang on one guy and throw a bomb and drop it out of a helicopter every other play. You're just not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, you, you alluded to the things you liked about him. I do want to, before we get to the Tennessee of it all, which is the biggest, more than his age, more, more than the injury, I'm sure he'll be fine coming off the injury. I think it's the projection from this very unrealistic college offense that makes him a little bit of a challenging eval. But um, you talked about um, his, I, I, this is something you highlighted in I think the last game you broke down with him. I was watching just inside the pocket how um, there's almost like a, the way he moves is kind of interesting in the pocket. I can't really describe it, but it is very pleasing to watch. And it does feel um, he, he has a lot of poise. What would you attribute that to when you watch him? Uh, probably a combination of his confidence and what he's being asked to do and his ability and his preparation. But also he's a polished guy. Like, I mean, that that looks like someone who's played quarterback at a high level for a long time. Because to me, the 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 smoothness that he's able to get into his drops to be lined up. And it's not like that offense is asking him to go like side to side full field reads. So when he's lined up, he's lined up and it's there and he's waiting for that guy to get open and he's going to rip it in there potentially for a massive play. But it's the he has a great understanding of the timing of it. And that timing of it translates to me to a lot of NFL teams, what they'll ask him to do from the pocket. And he's able to kind of show those throws consistently and at a really high level. Yeah. There's like, it's kind of like sudden too, as well. I, I, I'm, Oh, I mean, mean, he's, he, yeah, he's got, well, the part about the, the other part about it, pre-injury, he's got great acceleration. Like he's not Anthony Richardson. No one is, but he's, but he's he's right there when he takes off and runs and they don't run him quote unquote, like a, you know, between the tackles, but they run him and he's able to accelerate and make plays. And I think you could see those things translate to Sundays where you could say like, oh, he could for sure go get us a bunch of first downs, just taking off and doing him. They ran him in between the tackles a little bit too. Like, uh, uh, you know, I mean, he, he is rocked up and it is um, not a concern of mine that he the ACL. I think he'll be fine. I think he will come back from that the same athlete that he was before. And it's a huge, you know, I think we we talk about athleticism and from like a ceiling perspective, but the way I think of it is that's his floor as, as a NFL quarterback. The fact that he can do that as a, in the designed run game is really, really, really important. What we don't know uh, if he can do is run anything close to an NFL offense. Um, I guess let's start there. Can you speak a little bit? You, you talked about it at the top, the Tennessee offense, but what makes it so hard when you're watching him 
to try to, I guess, assess how this translates at the next level? Well, the, the first part of it is, I think, the spacing of how they operate. So the spacing tempo, it's crazy spread. It's crazy fast. So the, the operational element of running the offense is different than it will be on Sundays. As far as just the verbiage, the complex elements of it, what you're able to do between getting the play and the snap, all those types of things will be significantly more. Uh, that doesn't say he can't do it. It just means he wasn't asked to do it at Tennessee. Then the part, the part that I think is more important is the actual playing. So the way that I understand the Tennessee offense – and I've tried to have it explained to me from many quote unquote people on the inside, the gurus, this deep choice world where you're allowing your receivers to run down the field vertically and make a choice on where they're going. It sounds great and it works obviously for Tennessee, but it would never work consistently in, or it would probably never work consistently in the NFL because you, it takes forever to allow the wide receiver to run down there. You can't play with any sort of anticipation. You have no idea where the guy's going to go and you know, obviously they've got some dudes who are burners on the perimeter as well. Now, no doubt about it, but you just, that's not how quarterbacking is done in the league consistently. And so it's hard to project him going through a read or kind of, you know, doing anything that isn't this guy's going to win. Okay. He didn't win. Now I'm going to throw a check down. Okay. <laughs> he didn't win. I'm going to run. There is no other element. There's no coverage based identification. There's no processing. There's no full field footwork. There are things that just are commonplace in the league that just don't exist on this film. And again, the hard part, you know, goes back to the Herbert rules of can he not do it or they just don't ask him to do it. Right. I probably think they just don't ask him to do it. But and these are some of the hardest things that NFL quarterback has to do consistently. And so to not see it at all is pretty concerning. Yeah, the, we're going to talk about a couple of those receivers next week, probably about both of them, Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman. They're both awesome, <laughs> and uh, they both won a lot. And uh, I think uh, um, uh, Hooker himself was like, "What? I'm sorry that my receivers are good <laughs> when he was asked about it. Um, but yeah, the, you don't see many little or capital A anticipatory throws, but that's just not something he's asked to do. Uh, the, the coach did talk – I think it was this week and he was trying to defend hookers processing. He said, Oh, he made a lot of decisions. And I was like, yeah, hand it off or throw it. Like, I don't, <laughs> it's hot RPOs. I know I can do RPOs. I just don't know. And I, for me, that's not, yeah, the Herbert thing is a great point. Like it's not a ding. It's more just like a, this is going to require projection. And when we talk about some of these other guys, we've just seen them do it. And um, well, I think that, you know, coupled with the age and the injury, all that stuff matters. Yeah. And the, in even the RPO thing I would push back with where those aren't the RPOs that you're going to do in the league. Yeah. You're just not going to have a guy stand exactly. next to the Gatorade and decide if you're going to throw a screen <laughs> or not to him. That's not how it works. And so it's just the spacing of that offense is different. I think it's really cool. I think it's interesting, uh, but it doesn't translate to the league. And so, you know, it's one of those things where I think that if I was interested in Hendon Hooker and I was picking, you know, late first round, wherever he's projected to go, uh, those are all the conversations that you'd want to have. Because I, I think that there's an element of you you can kind of say, oh, yeah, I could, you know, I understand what's going on. Da, da, da. Well, I think most people, when you're in the room and you have to talk through, hey, are you comfortable doing this? Have you been asked to do this? You know, where are you transferred from? Did you do it there? Like, obviously, if you're going to interested in drafting him, you'd go back and watch all the film you possibly could. But, like, I'm sure at some point he's been asked to do it. It just wasn't on his Tennessee film. And it didn't have to be. They were really good. They were really fun to watch. They were awesome story this past year. 
and you, it doesn't look like it does on Sundays. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. All right. In lieu of Dinks and Ducks, I'm going to rip through some of these mid to late round quarterbacks and ask you just one question about each of them. The guys that I've watched, I haven't watched all of them yet. Um, let's start with DTR, actually, because you mentioned him first. Um, it sounds like you're higher on him than the consensus, so I guess why? Yeah, I, I am high on DTR. I think that he's played a lot of football. I think he's a really good athlete, under-the-radar athlete compared to some of those other guys. Probably, this, like you make the argument, the second or third best of those guys. You know, if you want to throw a healthy Hendon Hooker in there, maybe better acceleration. But a dude who can create plays, you could see be successful in a lot of NFL systems right away with what he, they were asking him to do, what Chip Kelly was asking him to do. And I just love the fact that he's played a lot of football. I think that he went through some you know, some tough years at UCLA. It wasn't always easy. And I'm, I'm, I like to see guys who have to battle some adversity. I think it does make it a little bit easier when you transition to the league. If you haven't been that five-star guy, things have been perfect all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden, you know, Urban Meyer is your head coach and things are a disaster. You know, just, it's a different when things are tougher, you know, and maybe it's artificial tough situations, but he's dealt with some adversity in at, at LA. And so to just kind of come out the other side of it pretty well and be that leader for that program for so long, I think, I think matters. Okay. Jake Hayner, Fresno state. You're a fan. Agree or disagree. <laughs> okay. Agree. No, I'm asking you agree or disagree. Yeah. Crystal ball. This is based on me, my opinions after watching him. I think he is going to be, a career backup who comes in and when the starter gets hurt and wins four games in a row and the fan get base gets obsessed with him, even though he has a limited arm and then he becomes overrated for the rest of his career. Agree or disagree? I mean, AKA the Heineke. I was going to say, I'm jealous of that. That sounds great. So he should get, I mean, can't you just see it though? <laughs> can't yeah. you just see it? I mean, that's what I wish for all backups to get that kind of, get that kind of cash. No, the, uh, the Minshew. Yeah, I mean, there. 
there are certainly things that are, I haven't watched a whole bunch of Fresno State, I'm not going to lie, but the things that I have seen, I, I think that there are transferable things that he could go on and have a really good, successful NFL career. You know, does it look like he's going to be a guy who walks into a job and earns a job and sits in that job for a decade? No. You know, that's he's always going to be the guy that they're trying to replace. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just he doesn't have the skill set that some of these other guys at the top of the draft have. But he would. I feel like he would win like two games. I just know, I mean, you know, just that, just that type, you know, scrappy. The, like, you I mean, know, they're they're scrappy. all they're all scrappy. <laughs> Small white quarterback. He's kind of he's like I mean, athletic enough, he? you know. He's not a big guy. Uh, huh? He's not big. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, like, the the Heineke. He. I feel like he's got. I mean, Heineke, Heineke, Heineke's over. pretty good athlete. I mean, that's pretty. I good. think I, I think Hainer can move. Right. I mean, maybe I'm. I don't know. Big mountain. We're talking West about backups. Yeah. I actually did enjoy watching Christmas. I'm not going to lie. Christmas is kind of fun to watch. Um, it's a lot more fun to watch than the offense I'm going to talk about next. Tanner McKee. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it was a rough film. Real rough film. Um, that, that actually leads to my question, which is um, how much do you actually give him extra credit because the Stanford offense is so disgusting? <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> there is a part of me that does give him credit for battling through that. And, and really... The film that I saw, saw, he makes a lot of throws that you see on Sunday, like timing yeah. outside the number throws. And I actually think he's a better athlete than they allowed him to be. Like he showed some nice off-platform really? throws. Again, kind of one of those examples where I get pissed at the coaches while I'm watching the film where you're like, why are, you know, did you guys just get back from a Wake Forest clinic? Like this doesn't make sense. I don't know why you would want to slow down your already slow group with how you're running these RPOs or what you're asking him to do. And so I thought that he, considering the circumstances and the talent around him, was was pretty impressive, if I'm being honest. And now I think that there are certainly other guys in that kind of quote-unquote like late mid-round tier that I would prefer to have, but I thought his film surprised me in a good way. Yeah, I um, had not watched much Stanford by choice uh, until um... – like a few weeks ago when I finally got to the late round guys. And I, I came away more impressed with his arm than I remembered upon rewatching it. I, maybe not the athleticism. I I don't know. I guess there's a little little bit of... Well, I mean, he's a, he's I don't a know. big He looks dude. pretty stiff. He's huge. Yeah, it's he's like enormous. a giraffe. But in a, so I might be stereotyping a little bit because there's something about that Nick Foles build where I'm just like, yeah, I can't move. But yeah, Herbert's six six. Yeah. I thought I thought he moved well considering how big he was. I remember it surprising me on the film, and so I was. It was one of those things where you know he's not like as dynamic as the guys at the top of the draft because no one is. But he's still a he's still not what I would classify as a 20 years ago statue back there either. That's fair. He's gonna get comp to just every tall. White guy like Mike Lennon. There's gonna be some of Mike Lennon comps for. Oh man, he doesn't have that neck, does he? <laughs> no, not many humans on earth have that neck. Um, okay, Clayton Tune. Uh, th- I had a lot of fun watching Clayton Tune. Um, again, we're talking backups. I don't. I want to be clear. I don't think any. I. I mean, of, of these guys are. You know what? Well, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't mean that in a derogatory way. We're just being, trying to be realistic here. Um, Okay, what do I want to ask you about Clayton Toon? Well, I think of Clayton Toon um, the same way that I think yeah. of Jake Hayner, if I'm being honest. They're, they're kind mm-hmm. of... they're Playmakers. Yeah, they've got some scrap to them. They've had some really good college football years. There are some things that flash that you could definitely do and have a career in the league. You will just always be the guy that they will be trying to replace. 
And whether you're the backup, the starter, it doesn't, you know, there's not a skill set there that is necessarily a dynamic, going to lead the organization, going to make us a lot of plays that win us, you know, 10 plus games in the league that they showed in college. I think that's fair. I think it's a similar thing too when you watch them for like maybe depending on how the game flow is, you know, for like first couple drives, you're like, yeah, he's got some stuff to him. And then all of a sudden he attempts a difficult throw <laughs> and then you're like oh this is different from the guys i was watching for four weeks prior to this and that is the great differentiator between this category and those guys yeah and i mean and i always come back to the uh well that that offense is fun to watch in my opinion too the houston it offense compared yeah. to a lot of other college football offenses so i probably watched more of their tv games than some of these other guys at the bottom of this but i just again i i like guys that look like they're for where you're going to come in in your career, what you're going to be asked to do at the bottom later rounds of this draft, you're going to have to be competitive, scrappy, claw, and then take advantage of that opportunity if and when it ever comes. Because it doesn't come for everybody, but if it comes, when it comes, you got to splash, you got to make plays, you got to get paid, you got to get that second, third, fourth, one year contract and and fight and claw and get a career out of it. And it's a great career. It's just not the top of the draft talent. Yeah, another one of the guys we'll probably talk about next week is uh, Tank Dell, the most ironically nicknamed human to walk this earth, number one on Houston, who is always open. Um, sometimes, even though like his routes don't make sense, I think you were ragging on a couple of them. And you know, you don't never name the names of any of the players other than the quarterbacks, but there's a couple where he's just kind of like chilling. But then he's just so much faster than everybody; it doesn't matter. So he's a big part of the reason why Houston is so fun to watch. I'm a big fan of going with just people's numbers. Not only easier to not mess One. up people's names, but it is. It does. He's the receiver who is my size. If if you remember watching, <laughs> he literally is my size and is always open. Um, okay. Um, well, actually, uh, did I, so. Those are the backups I've watched. Or the mid round guys. Is there anyone else that you're particularly excited about, or that you think is worth watching? I mean, I think Stenson Bennett is a guy who's going to be interesting to see where he goes. I think he's probably better than people think he is you know and that's pretty hard to say because he's a guy who won that much but uh my thing with Stetson Bennett is I remember what it was like in early 21 when he was trying to when they were trying to replace him every series and so not to take and the part of me in internally is like I really appreciate people who get better and I thought he got a lot better now you got to make sense of being surrounded by the best talent on the planet but I think he's a guy who's probably going to have a pretty good NFL career and it's not going to make a lot of sense to a lot of people. And I'm excited to see where he goes and how and how he shakes that thing out. He's going to unleash some of the most infuriating 13-yard runs and then the guys, the linebackers, are just going to be absolutely roasted. Um, yeah, I, I, I do like Spencer Bennett. Uh, I just actually haven't watched him just because I've actually watched his game so much relative to these other guys because of his career being so high profile. But I do... I do. Uh, I would take him over a couple of the guys that I've mentioned thus far, and I think he's going to be an interesting to one to watch in the draft as long as he stops getting arrested or whatever's going on. Um, okay, final. <laughs> you told the cops they're going to. There's a video that came out. Um, last question. I feel like I already know the answer before I let you go, which is, you're the Carolina Panthers. You're Scott Fitterer. You're on the clock. I feel like this is very obvious based on the tone of this entire conversation. Who are you? Taking with a number one pick in the 2023 NFL draft. Yeah, I'm taking Bryce Young. And I mean, I <laughs> yeah, I, mean. I, I just, I, I don't even think you necessarily have to defend it. I think you honestly have to defend taking C.J. Stroud. I don't think it's a bad choice. 
but I, I just think you, anytime I feel like I have to defend a choice, it's probably not the right choice for me, if that makes sense, when there's a yeah. clean, easier choice. But, you know, <laughs> the beautiful thing about this is that time will tell. We can circle back in half a decade and see uh, who was off and, and who was right on. But it's one of those things where the, the part that's hard for me, and I'm sure it's even harder for you, is so much of this is luck. Like, it, you know, we can pretend that we have all the answers and this is what the film says and this is what we interpret the film to be. And But we can't control where these guys go. We can't control who their coaches are, what the system is, what they're surrounded with talent-wise. We can't control, you know, so many different variables that it's, uh, you just, you. I enjoy it. I try to have fun with it. But it's, uh, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's a, it's a crapshoot. Well, folks, it's JT O'Sullivan. You can check out his work at the QB School on YouTube. I will link to it when I link to this podcast. JT, thank you so much for coming on the show and making all of us, especially me, smarter today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.